Hi pals, what is going on y'all? So good to see you again for round two of our 30 day Bible reading challenge. I am Andrea, one of the worship leaders at Lifehouse Newport News and I'm so excited to be bringing you Psalms 51 today. So, yo, they chose the Psalms, now you know, uh, as a worshiper. This is one of my favorite places to park in the Bible, and I am so honored to be able to go into Psalms 51 with you today. <clears throat> but before we jump into Psalms, I think it's so important to get a little bit of the history, get a little bit into the mind of David when he wrote the Psalms, and we're actually going to take a little trip back to the Old Testament, 2 Samuel chapter 13, because that is where the history can be found. So Psalms 51 was written after God sends Nathan the prophet to um, come to David and basically tell him off because <clears throat> he has just committed three of the top 10 with Bathsheba, um, Sheba, he, commit, he covets his neighbor's wife he commits adultery and he ultimately commits murder. So a little bit of the history, David sends his men off to battle, um, one of those men being Uriah, and while they're fighting the battle that he sent them to, he's up on his rooftop and sees this lovely young lady and decides he has to have her. So he does a little research, he sees her, he researches, he didn't stop himself, he has some, um, stop signs along the way, but just, you know, lets that sin um, mindset fester and eventually take him to this place where <clears throat> he's acting on it and does commit adultery with Bathsheba and she becomes pregnant. David tries to cover it up by sending for Uriah, but he will not play along and long story short, sends him back out to battle on the front lines, instructs uh, Joab to leave him exposed and he does he does die there so in comes Nathan and God through Nathan says look David I anointed you king I protected you from your adversary from Saul as he hunted you down and then I gave you the kingdom um, and the kingdom of Israel I anointed you this is what you do with your anointing this is what you do with everything that I gave you. And then through uh, Nathan, he gives a series of consequences. The sword shall never depart from your house. This is in 2 Samuel um, chapter 12, verses 7 through 13. I will raise up an adversary against you from your own house. So within your house, I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. So that's the mind space David is in when he writes Psalms 51. So let's now let's go back and um, jump into Psalms. <clears throat> so verse one, David opens by saying, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out my stains. So what I think is so, um, Powerful about just the opening of Psalms 51 is that somewhere along the way, somewhere in David's life, he has learned that when you sin, 
rather than run away from God, which I believe the human condition just gives us a tendency to do, rather than run away and isolate yourself and sit in your shame and guilt, David takes it right back to God. He's like, look, I was wrong. Man, I, like, I did this thing. I tried to cover it up. It didn't work. It snowballed out of control. I committed this huge sin. I'm bringing it to you, God. You're the only one who can have mercy on me. Not because of me, but because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. You're the only one who can blot out my sins. You hear the desperation in his voice, the brokenness um, in his heart. So right away, there's a big lesson right there for you and me. Um, I believe the biggest ploy of the enemy is to separate us from God. That's what he wanted from day one back in the garden, to get Eve to take the bite of that apple to sin against God because he knew it would separate man from God, to be separate from God just like he was. And that's what he wants. So when David brings his sin to the altar, to the throne of God, and no longer allows it to separate, to create this time and space between God, he knows that because of God's character and God's love for his people, some healing can begin and restoration can begin to happen. And I hope that we can be a people that can be that way too, rather than run away from God, which we have a natural tendency to do. I know it, I do too. We can go to the source, go to where that healing and restoration can begin and that's only within the presence of God. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. And then he asked God, um, I was wrong. I, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. And then I found this interesting, or find this interesting, Psalms verse four. It says, against you, God, and you alone, I have sinned. So Uriah is the one that died on the front lines of the battle. Bathsheba is pregnant with David's child because he just could not um, say no to his flesh, yet it's God and God alone that David knows ultimately that he has sinned against. Why? Because he has done what is evil in God's sight. Um, verse 5, it says, yes, I was born a sinner. I recognize that from our mother's womb. You know, we, we're, we're flat, you know, we're, we're human. That human nature is simple. But, verse 6, I know that you desire honesty from the womb. So right then and there, you give us a way out. How? By teaching us wisdom. So if you want wisdom, if you want to receive wise instruction, it is always ever available for us through the Word of God, through prayer. So we cannot let the fact that we're human be like our by, um, our excuse for being simple people because we can access this wisdom and, and David um, recognizes that here in Psalms 51. And then he says, God, I need you to do something that only you can do. And what I find so powerful about this and interesting, y'all, is that remember back in 2 Samuel when Nathan is reading the consequences, the sword shall never depart, I will raise up an adversary against you, uh, your wives will be given to your neighbor, like, yo, it's going to be hard for you, David. Look what David asks for. So he goes to God, 
and he's like, yeah, it's gonna be uncomfortable. You're just, I accept this. The consequences are just, you're just God. But can you do this thing for me? This is what I'm coming to your altar and asking for God, these things. Verse eight, give me back my joy. You've broken me, now let me rejoice. Verse nine, remove the stain of my guilt. Verse 10, this is what I ask of you, God. Create in me a clean heart and renew a loyal spirit. <clears throat> Do not banish me from your presence. Hear that desperation. Like, God, I'll take those things. I'll take that discomfort. Just don't remove your presence from me. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation and make me willing Give me a willing heart to obey you. I'm just going to pause right there. When we go to God, when I go to God, I'm going to make it personal. When I go to God, recognizing my sin, um, am I willing to accept the consequences? And am I asking in return for the right things? Knowing that discomfort of this world, discomfort from the things of this world, is nothing, pales in comparison to the value of those internal and eternal things that only God can give, joy, a clean heart, a willing spirit to obey Him, and His Holy Spirit and His presence. So those are the things. David is asking for the right things when he does come back to God. Forgive me, O Lord, verse 14, for the shedding of blood. Verse 15, unseal my lips, God. Unseal my lips that my mouth may praise you. And then he recognizes, and this is such a powerful verse right here. Powerful, don't miss this, y'all. Verse 16, you do not desire sacrifice, or I would offer one. So it's not that act. You know, that would be easy. Back in this day, there were... Um, putting sacrifices on the altar, um, lambs, cattle, and sacrificing them on the altar, going through that act. And that outward act, which if you're just talking about the motion itself, is easy. That's not what God is after. God is after a brokenness in your spirit. And by broken, I mean humble, humility in your spirit, recognizing that apart from God, apart from his presence, there is no completeness, there is no joy, there is no fullness of joy, uh, there is no uh, acceptance of pure and untainted and unconditional love. That's a true sacrifice, that broken spirit, because that draws us into connection and communion um, with God. And of course, that repentant heart that um, paves the way, is the bridge that brings us back to the presence of God where we can be restored and healed and made whole in Him. So once our heart is there, once the internal is in its right place and submitted to Christ, then, verse 19, then Lord, you will be pleased with the outward sacrifice. So then I can come before you with the uh, the bulls and again sacrifice on your altar. 
I do want to end by going back to 2 Samuel. So this psalm, which is um, more or less a repentant uh, poem written to God, David's full knowledge of the sin that he has committed against God and his brokenness and his heart to not have the earthly things restored, but the relationship restored with his heavenly father. First recognizing that that is a thing to be cherished and then going to God, desperate for it, seeking God for it, and this is how God responds. So we're back to 2 Samuel. I just want to close with this. This is verse 13, chapter 12, verse 13, and it says, And Nathan said to David, The Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die. God. Y'all, God is a God of love. He desires us to live and live in the fullness of Him, and He knows that apart from Him, there is no way to live in that fullness. He, is, he desires to remove our sin from us. It is not His desire that sin weigh us down with shame and guilt. It is His desire to remove it from us. But we have to come to Him with a repentant heart first. So I wish we had more time because that's just, wow. Whoa, that's so powerful. Um, but I do want to end with a prayer. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for the reading of your word, God. And we pray today that we would be a people that rather than run away from you when we fall short, that we would come close, Father God, that we would trust in your character, in your goodness, Father God, even in your judgment, Lord. knowing that temporary discomfort, that you're even in temporary discomfort, Father God, that your presence and your closeness are the real treasures and they are to be valued and, tre and treasured, God, and cherished, Lord. Our prayer is that shame and guilt not be weapons of separation, O Lord, but rather symptoms that signify a deep need for healing, for your love, Father God, the love that only our holy wise, O oh Lord, in 